got a little caught up in worship there. Huh? Didn't know it was my turn. Um, if you don't, um, if you wandered into a random church on a particular Sunday and you were like, I wonder what this is going to be about, and you were a little bit skeptical, this would be the worst Sunday to show up. <laughs> Because it would be a Sunday where you're like, uh, I knew that this is all that they talk about. And what would that be? It's not money, by the way. It's not money. That's the one everybody's worried about. No, it's all that other stuff. It's that doom and gloom, end times, hell, fire, and brimstone, and all that stuff's going to happen. And, uh, and that's what we jump into today. Yeah, the end is near, right? I was going to put one of those pictures of the earth breaking in half or something like that, but this just seemed like a way bigger, more relevant problem that we could all connect with. Um, let me ask you a question. What would you do? Just ponder this in your mind. What would you, knew, what would you do if you knew you only had one year left? There was one year left. And let's say that, that you, that a few people knew it, not everybody believed it, so it's not like the world is in pandemonium. You know, not everybody's on board with that. But you and a few others, you know that it's only going to last a year. What goes on the chopping block there? Work? Anybody going back to work? <laughs> Nobody's raising their hand. I don't think anybody works just for the passion of it. Um, work, maybe going on the chopping block. Um, Going back to college plans, going to college plans, any sort of further academic studies, maybe that goes in the chopping block. House repairs, anybody doing any house repairs if you're leaving the earth in a year? Not me. It is as it is if I'm leaving in a year. What gets added? Family trips, maybe a family game night that you've been saying you should do for years. So you guys can all argue about one particular minute rule, you know, and whether or not you drop the dice, if you play it as it lies, or you re-roll and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so you're adding some sort of family game night. Anybody ever had that argument? It was a constant argument in my house. No, it's never addressed in the rules what happens when the dice rolls off the table. Anyway, uh, what else do you add? Vacations? Anybody adding some vacations? Anybody? You got one more year, you can travel the world? I always think it's funny when people find out that they don't have much time left. They want to see everything they can. I mean, you're just going to see it. It's still going to be there. I don't know. Maybe I'm insensitive. Um, what else do you do? Do you become a missionary? You know, are you going to spend these last few days doing something incredibly meaningful? I think there's a whole lot of things, if we can agree, based, you know, maybe a lot of things would change, but, or maybe it's different things that would change, but we're all doing something different. Here's what I'm going to do. I got the, I sat down, I thought it through. Here's what I'm going to do if it's all going to end in a year. One, I'm going to sell all my assets. I'm selling everything I got. I'm selling the house, and you know all that stuff that goes with selling a house. Oh, well, you fix the shingle and the roof. No, I'm not fixing any of that. We're just selling it. You get it as is. You fix the roof. It's all going to end in a year. Who cares, you know? So I'm selling the house, selling all that stuff that I'm fixing all the time. Uh, I'm buying... Look, I'm buying one of those, like, stupid big RVs. You know what I'm talking about? The kind that you're like, what do they do with that thing? It's so big. I'm buying one of those. I'm getting the biggest one that I can get. Uh, I'm going to find some kind of way to work remotely. I figure I'm going to need to eat for that last year. So I'm going to work as little as possible just to be able to eat. The RV I'm buying, I can never pay for. I'm just going to start defaulting on payments at six months. I figure I can get 
six more months before they can find me traveling the country and, and, and repo it. So I'm doing that. Uh, here's a big one that I'm doing. I'm eating whatever I want, you know, tacos for breakfast, bacon wrap ribs for lunch, Sundays for dessert. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm not worrying about any of that stuff. And I'm really doing those things. I really thought, what would I do? I'm really eating whatever I want. That stuff's real for me. And the last piece I think that I'm going to do is very realistically, I believe I would finally begin to, to live the life that God had called me to live. I think I would be sharing the gospel so boldly, knowing that it doesn't matter what you think of me, you know, in a year, we're all going to know that I'm right. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm going to finally begin to do those things if I know that it's going to end. In Second Peter chapter 3, Peter says... The world's going to end. That's where we're going to jump in, Second Peter chapter 3. He says, the world's going to end, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you what to do knowing that the world is going to end. And he, he describes these deniers, like people that deny that, that this is going to happen. And what I think is pretty interesting about his description is it could absolutely have been written today. Like, like he could have absolutely wrote that today, and it would have made perfect sense. It's incredible to me how some things, no matter how far in time you go, just don't change. Went to my, my great-grandmother's 100th birthday party yesterday. And uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. Lots of, kids, lots of kids in diapers, lots of adults in diapers. It was a real, it was a real wild party. Um, there's one thing that I remember. It's that my 100-year-old grandma, great-grandma, looks exactly like my... 71-year-old great-grandma, you know, or 68-year-old great-grandma when I was born. To me, she's always looked just this old. Anybody ever thought that about your grandparents? And you start doing the math and you realize, man, years ago, they were actually a lot younger. <laughs> but when you're a kid, you know, they just, nothing seems to change with them. I see all my old family, they're still wearing, you know, I'm from the country, they're still wearing black cowboy boots and cut-off sleeve shirts, you know, they still look just the same. I mean, I walk in and they look at me and they don't recognize me and they got to ask who I am. I know who they are right away. They look exactly the same. They're talking about the same things. I mean, nothing seems to have changed with them. And it really does amaze me how 2,000 years, 20 years, Certain things about life just don't seem to change all that much. And, and this, I, I think this passage where Second Peter's talking, man, this is, is highlights that truth. Second Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 3. It says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. That word scoffers is kind of like the word mockers. People are going to mock you. He says, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? When Jesus promised he was coming back, they say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Here's what they do. Just pause for just a minute from the text. It's, it's like this scientific argument. You're, you're in the, the time period that you're in is Hellenistic Greece. Hellenistic Greece was... Greek was, was all about scientific discovery and, and, and following philosophy. And so what they're saying is, hey, you know what? Nature tells us that, that this is the way the earth works, and this is the way it's going to continue to work. 
And so you keep telling us about this this crazy event that's going to happen, and we're telling you that based off the research that we've done, that that kind of thing is not going to happen. I mean, does that not sound familiar? I mean, that sounds familiar. It says science tells us that 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 piece that you believe isn't true. And I'm not like a a, a science denier in any capacity. My my brother is is a biologist and a and a deacon in his church, and his wife is a chemist, you know, and, and I believe that they do good work, and, uh, and, and I believe that, that, you know, that there is a, a huge place for, for scientific truth. But, but just like now, some people take a little bit of that truth, and they say, this proves that what you say cannot be right. To which Peter sort of responds to them. He's like, I get what you're saying, but did you forget that one time God calmed a storm with his voice? Like, that wasn't very nature-led. Did you forget that God pointed a stick at a big body of water and he parted the whole thing? How can you not have a problem with that? And these people didn't. They believed that part of the story. He's like, how can you believe that and not believe that God can do something like that again? We're talking about a God who spoke and all of a sudden things came into existence. He just said words and, and things happened. I'm saying that God is bigger than the things that you can see. And you can, if you can believe the rest of the Bible, you can believe that God can operate outside of nature and let these things happen. He, in verse 5, he starts talking about it. He says, here's what the, the mockers, people that are mocking you, here's what they've done. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, by God's word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And that's, that's heavy stuff, you know. Um, but he begins to walk through what some of that looks like. Have you ever thought, I know I've thought this, Man, I bet you that a lot of people would, would believe if God would just do this. Some incredible event, totally outside of nature, that proved that God was real and he was there. And I think the way God would respond to that is, I did that. <laughs> I sent my son. I literally opened the heavens and spoke to people. I've done miracles all throughout history. I continue to do miracles. But the reality is, very quickly, those get forgotten. And the reality is, anyone who didn't see it doubts it, and some people who do see it doubt it. And those big signs and wonders just aren't the thing that lead to lasting change in people's life. And Hellenistic, in this, this time in, in Greece, these people had just, many of these people had seen a, a man die on a cross and rise again three days later. They had seen some incredible things, and yet still they're saying on the basis of scientific judgment, um, we're saying that what you say about the end of the earth can never happen. And the thing that Peter just, he doesn't even go that in-depth into it. The thing he just says so clearly is, I want you to know that the end of the earth is coming, and people will doubt it. But you can believe that a God that can supernaturally flood the earth can also supernaturally cause fire to rain down, and that kind of thing can happen. And so it's not a crazy thing to believe this. And so that's sort of where he starts this. 
And then he moves in to the second part, telling us how we should live. Saw a lot of my family this weekend, and uh, anytime I see them, you know, everybody wants to talk about my dad, and so I'm talking about my dad a lot, and um, and just some different stuff with him. Uh, I I can't help but think every time I think about my dad, I remember that for as long as I can remember, he was saving for a boat. Um, I think that's going to be my life. Um, But uh, for as long as I can remember, he was saving for a boat. And I remember even when he got a small boat, that was like, soon he's going to get the big boat. And when I was like, you know, 17, he's like, hey, I'm, I, you know, soon I'm going to, we'd see one going by, and he's like, pretty soon I'm going to get one that looks like that, you know, and you'd say, well, Dad, you know, what about my college fund? You know, I'm 17. I mean, priority, son. And, uh, I mean, this was like, this was the thing, you know, he was saving for, for forever, and um, he never got the boat, um, never, never actually came to fruition. It's why I should go ahead and buy one now. Can I get an amen? Um, but he was living for, at least in that one regard, he was absolutely living for what he could do next. Right before he died, um, I remember him talking, just happened to have a conversation with him, and they were moving, and, and there were some other things that were going on. But I remember him telling me, one of the reasons that, that I want to make this move, and they were selling their house, he said, there are, there are other things going on, but one of the reasons that I really want to do this and I've been wanting to do it is, is I want to have some income to be able to help some other people. And right now, every dime that I got goes towards every bill that I've got, and I, I don't want to do that. And uh, I had never heard my dad say that ever. I mean, that was so foreign. You know, I had to, like, pinch myself in the car and be like... <laughs> This is not my real dad. This is a dream. And it was a crazy thing, and I think some of it just began to mark the change in his life. Um, but he never quite got to. He lived so much thinking there's this, there's this mark that I want to make and this thing that I want to get. And my, my dad loved to fish, and I think he had dreams of, like, fishing on, like, the, the you know, the Bassmaster Tour, you know. And when it, the, he came to visit us uh, here in New Orleans, like, twice. One time was when the Bassmaster Classic was here. You know, and um, but that was like his dream was was to do that kind of thing, and he died before that can happen. Before that can happen. But what I'd say is, you know, the end of the world is is near, especially in relative to eternity. Uh, they tell us the end of the world is near, um, but your end of the world is probably even nearer. And so you may not, when we talk about the way the world is going to end, that may pertain to you. It may not. But the reality is an end is going to come, and the result is going to be the same. You're going to leave everything here, and then what you did here is going to have some consequence. And Peter says, in light of that, in light of all that truth, that this is all going to end, this is how you should live. In verse 11, he says this, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Here's what you ought to do. Here's how you ought to live. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. He says we're not looking forward to a day of destruction. We're looking forward to a day where this goes away and then the great thing comes. Verse 14, he says, So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, 
make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. We're all, all, me especially, are trying to find some, some meaning in life beyond what's here today and gone tomorrow. And we do it in all different kinds of ways. And we have this finite nature that we, wanna, that we, we want to, to, to somehow escape in some way. And there have been some people who have been trying to figure out ways to, to freeze themselves and then, you know, come back years later and sort of cheat time and death. And, uh, and, and, but most of us are doing it differently. And some of us are building in as much as we can wealth and equity. And, and we're looking at our portfolio of our investments and saying, this I have done well and trying to, to leave a mark by what we've been able to accomplish financially. Some of us are building a reputation at work, and our mark is going to be that we did a great job at work, and people looked up to us for leadership, and that's the mark that we got to leave. Some, some people, through artistic expression, they want to be a part of, of creating something that goes on long beyond them, and they want, to, they want to create something that's not just going to be gone tomorrow, just in case they are. Some people have hobbies, some people have interests, some people collect coins and butterflies. And I had a boss one time that collected chairs, not exotic chairs, just random chairs from everywhere. Um, some people are excited about, you know, they, they, they got to get the new computer, the new device, the new whatever it may be, and they find a heck of a lot of joy in that. Some people are crazy about their garden and, and how great it looks, you know, their, their yard and, and how, how beautiful the grass is cut and the weeds are done. And, 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 and they're saying, you know what, no matter what happens to me, people are going to remember that the house on the corner right here are these two streets that had a beautiful lot. You know, and, and when they sell the house, they're finding somebody who will take care of the yard <laughs> because it's got to, it's got to live on false teachers in Second Peter, they were lining their pockets with money. They were trying to, uh, all, all these people that we've been reading about, they're, they're, they're trying to amass wealth that will live beyond them. They're trying to elevate themselves above authority, be super important. They're trying to build their reputation in the church as people who know things. Man, they're, they're working hard to, to create their own sense of, of, of greatness. Peter's response to them for all the things that they're doing, and I think equally his response to us, is just this reality, and he doesn't go into great detail. It's not like he's trying to be scary, you know. What All he says is very simply, all that stuff that you're working towards, it's all going to be burned up. And that's just the reality that he leaves them with all going to be burned up. And the implication, I think, of, of verse 11 in much of this passage is, is that the only thing that are going to survive the end, the only, thing that are going, the only things that are really going to survive beyond you and beyond the end of the world, even if you manage to amass some great fortune and you do good that, that continues to flow well beyond your years, at some point the end is going to come the only things that are going to matter are the expressions of holiness and godliness that we lived out. And for all the things that we work towards, that's what's going to be left. And in the perspective of eternity, we'll look back and 
over these past 2,000 years or who knows when Jesus is coming back. Maybe it's 3,000 years. And, and, and we'll look at all the things that happened in that time. And there were the, the dark ages in there. And there was the we landed on the moon during that time. And, and we were able to watch movies on our watch. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And, uh, and, and maybe we'll be... We'll be taking trips to Mars, you know, just casual, flying over there, spending the day. Um, We're going to do some incredible things, but for all the things that we'll do, it'll be utterly insignificant because what will stand out about this time, the time from Jesus' first coming and his second coming, is this is the time when you could become a child of God by believing in Jesus. And that will mark this time. And that's what will be utterly important. And the only history of, of eternal significance will not be how much knowledge did you have? Einstein. You think smart, you think Einstein. I mean, he got to leave his mark in knowledge. And nobody, that won't matter in eternity. Some people have amassed fortunes and have had stuff so far beyond belief. That stuff won't matter in eternity. Some people were just so famous. I mean, just, just incredibly famous beyond belief. You know, uh, Elvis, people go visit his house just, just, to, just to get a glimpse of, of what it was like to be him. And that, that level of acclaim won't have any eternal significance. The things that get the eternal significance that matter forever is how did you live? How did you serve the Father? Did you engage in missions? Did you engage in in sharing the gospel? And very simply and very plainly, what matters, what has eternal significance is while you were here, did you live for Christ? Let me pray. God, I, I thank you that this life is not 